right, welcome everybody to uh, episode two of Cannon Fodder, a podcast about everything and nothing at all at the same time. Uh, with us today, we have uh, myself, Jim. We have uh, Pat Cannon himself, Big Rich, Uncle Terry, and PJ. Uh, how's everybody doing? Oh, great, Jim. All's well. Fantastic. We're recording today on what would be uh, day one of the Masters. Unfortunately, uh, there is no golf to watch today because, as we know, we are all uh, sheltering in place due to the ongoing pandemic that uh, is affecting everybody. Uh, everybody getting accustomed to their uh, new normal way of life? It's the new normal watching old uh, ESPN. We watched the 86 Masters the other day. That was great when Johnny Miller and Jack Nicholas took it down to the final 18 holes. But that's what we're doing around here. I've become a day, day trader. <laughs> How's that working out? So far, so good. Yeah, Terry, I got a tip. Carnival, Carnival Cruise. <laughs> American oh, Airlines. Keep them busy trying to avoid the uh, quarantine 15. The quarantine 15. Yep. That, that is definitely uh, going to be afflicting a lot of people once they get to head out to the, to the beaches this summer. Those beaches out there in Illinois are going to be packed. Yes. Uh, so when we left off last time, oh, before I go any further, I do, however, want to uh, have a special shout out to our, our one loyal listener in Mecklenburg, Germany. Uh, so, uh, to you out there in Mecklenburg, I say hello. Uh, I looked that up, and that is how you say hello in German. So, welcome. Oh, willkommen. Willkommen, I believe. I think, maybe. Anyway, uh, when we left off last last episode, uh, there was a discussion about collect calls from prison. And uh, uh, we know everybody is anxiously awaiting to hear Rich's Rich's story of his collect call from prison we don't know if he made it or received it but uh rich i'll throw it over to you and uh and you can uh let us know what it is you uh you want to say about that sure my uh my daughter uh the year she turned 12 got her first cell phone on christmas day and we got the phone all set up and got her a brand new number and we're all excited about her getting her first phone call on her new phone and she did get a call just as we were about to call her. She got a call from an unknown number and it turned out to be Max from prison seeking to accept the collect charges. And uh, that scared us all. And we hung up the phone and looked up how to block the number and did. And then uh, sometime later that day, she got another call from a different number from Max in prison. And Max said, we got the shiv. We got to plan the escape tonight. And Max left a series of messages all through the day until we finally figured out that even though we didn't know the number, uh, my goofy brother-in-law had just gotten a new phone himself and heard the story about our first phone call on my daughter's new phone and started to leave messages from Max in prison, which luckily turned out to all to be a joke and uh, scared us for a little bit. But uh, that was our phone call from prison experience. So, so I, was Max? Was the first Max real, or all the of first them? Max was real? He just 
had received that number, which had probably been turned in because they were getting calls from Max in prison, and then they reassigned it to us. Could this be uh, the same Max that a lone listener in Germany? Max, I think, uh, could be. Maybe that's why he's interested in this. In this, uh... could be, could be. Well, Max, Max, if you're out there in Mecklenburg, uh, welcome, welcome, and uh, we hope you enjoy uh, the story about your call to uh, Rich's young daughter on Christmas, Christmas morning. Um, what well, before we jump off the uh, collect call, uh, I, I am wondering if uh, if young PJ even knows what a collect call is. I I do not. I am I am unfamiliar with what a collect call is. No clue. Pat Pat, would you like to uh, educate? Because that's what we do here on Cannon Fodder. We we entertain and we educate. Would you like to ent- educate young uh, PJ as to? what a collect call is and how one might use one? Well, I'm the oldest guy here, so I'll start with how I used to make a collect call. Uh, You would pick up the party line and call an operator in town because we're out in the farm. Then you would say, Betty, can you connect me to Alice at the chemist chemist or the pharmacy? And then say, okay, uh, Betty, I'll collect. You have to pay for the call. And uh, but then as years went on, it was a real operator and she would uh, place the call for you. And then uh, whoever was getting the call would have to agree to accept it, meaning accept the cost. It was the the, the cost of, of the call, which was at the time a dime. So it was the one way to make a phone call from a payphone where you had no money. Exactly. You could dial zero and ask the operator to make a collect call to whomever it was that you were trying to call. And they would then call and say, do you accept the charges? There's a collect call from Max in prison. You know, you have to throw, uh, keep throwing money into the pay phones. Remember that? You got a little bit notice. It's going to be often. Well, the other, the other use of the collect call was to avoid paying for a, regular call where you might travel somewhere and, and your family would say, let make sure you call when you get there. So we arrive safely and you make sure you arrive safely and you'd make a collect call to them. And when they didn't accept the charges, they got notice that you made it to your destination, but no one had to pay for the call. Very unsophisticated, Rich. You know, when I was in Staten Island to do that, this is how you did it. You let the phone ring twice, and then you hang up. That's, that's the signal. That, you don't get the people involved. See, this is this is no, we were ahead of the curve in the rock. See, the thing is, Pat, you, you're very right on that because what would happen is the collect call would cost a lot more than the call would be if you called them back directly, and that's the reason why you did that. I think. You let the phone no, you both wrong. No. <laughs> you see, two two rings could be anyone. This way, you got to talk to the person, or at least hear their name mentioned, so you knew it was them. And neither one had to pay for it because it wasn't accepted. You let it ring twice and you hang up. No, then you received it. No, you just let it ring twice and you hang up. And that's how you know that the, the person got home. Exactly. Correct. And then you called them back. No, you don't, you, even, to you don't even to want to talk to them. You just want to know that well, they got home. Well, if you wanted to. If you wanted. Yeah. Well, when we were in college, that's how we would, we would, we would, there was one pay phone at a, on the floor in the dorm. And that's what Sunday night we would call home and we would make a collect call and 
our parents would uh, would decline the charges, and sometimes they would call you back, and sometimes they wouldn't. But that's how they knew you were at the phone. Right there, you go. So that's what I was saying. Right, the, the two rings. I think is uh, you can crack the code and get uh, get calls from from somebody else that rings twice. Yeah, but Pat Pat Pat's story uh, under Pat's example, right? You're not looking to talk to the person. You're just looking to let them know you got home safe. Right, Pat? Right, but they don't, it's not clear that it's you that's calling. Maybe it's somebody who just dialed the wrong number and realized it after two rings. That's so you can, it could happen. Yeah. You can look it so, up. So obviously the quarantine is is not serving you well, Rich. It's uh, clearly getting <laughs> to you. Um, and uh, Pat Pat has been studying up on the quarantine and, and, and these uh, flu pandemics, so he wants to share some history with you and with all our listeners. Uh, and maybe that will help us uh, to, to get through this all better. Well, um, I've actually been reading up about the, the flu of 1918, which was horrific. And there was a very interesting uh, article about this Axios sports about what the sports was like during that ep- epidemic. And believe it or not, they ran a Kentucky Derby that year in May, and they ran a, uh, they did a full World Series in September. And uh, a couple of interesting things that the, the general public had very little information about what was going on, which was, it's so foreign today, you turn on CNN and you have the, you know, the counts in the corner and everybody knows what's going on. But because of the war, they they passed a uh, something called the Sedition Act, which made it illegal to talk about anything which would might reflect negatively on the on the country or the war effort. So uh, when they were fill, filling up the, uh, the Churchill Downs for the Kentucky Derby, there was anecdotal stories about you know a bad flu going around, uh, but they, people didn't know that they could socially distance. And then when the the war President Woodrow Wilson put in place a fight or work edict. He said, "Either you're gonna, you're either you're in the war, or you're working for uh, for the war effort." And a lot of the professional baseball players uh, just quit and they joined uh, these uh, company factory teams. Bethlehem Steel had six teams. That's 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 more than our Northport. Uh, Division in softball that we're playing right now, and some great players. Uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson was was in that league, so uh, a lot of players were ended up in in those factory leagues. Then Woodrow Wilson gave it a two month delay, so they were they were able to play in September, uh, and the Red Sox played the the uh, Chicago Cubs team. Of course, that was the uh, Red Sox won uh, two games there. Babe Ruth was the winning pitcher twice. But this is what I never knew. Did you know that the 1918 World Series might have also been fixed along with the 1919 World Series? Anybody ever hear that one? I have not. Well, then let me jump in that I heard that there was some news broadcast by shortwave radio about the pandemic by a pharmacist in Brooklyn named Mr. Fauci. He used to tell everyone about what was going on with uh, with the pandemic. The legendary Mr. Can you, can you hear me now? Uh, is that a collect call from Pat? Rich, unmute me. 
Terry? Yes, Lynch. I can, Terry I can Lynch hear Lynch you, Pat. So uh, a couple of points I would like to just share about that 1918 World Series. Some interesting little tidbits and some little facts that we should check. Now, Pat referenced that uh, Babe Ruth won a couple of the games. He actually pitched in game one and pitched the shutout. Uh, another thing that is very interesting is, do you guys know, in the seventh inning stretch of game one, do you know what song they played? Anybody want to guess? God bless America. Good, very good guess. They didn't play that. They played the Star Spangled Banner, and that's because the country, as Pat mentioned, was involved in World War I. But it was only in 1931 when that became the national anthem for the United States. And then during World War II is when it became a tradition for us to play the Star Spangled Banner before baseball games and other sporting events. So some interesting facts. One other point I think is worth mentioning here as well. The manager of the Red Sox, Ed Barrow, for that team was the only manager to ever win the World Series without previously playing in organized baseball. And whether that be in the minors or majors. And now here's the trivia question. Who became the first manager to win manager of the year without playing organized professional baseball? Connie Mack. Very recent, gentlemen. Yes. We just saw yes. the the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. I, I, I know Louis the Cardinals answer. Manager. Tony Lewis. Yes. But do you know his name? Do I you do, know his name? I do not know his name, but he doesn't look like a manager. He, he looks like a stockbroker. Mike Schilt. Mike Schilt. Mike Schilt. Yes. <laughs> Mike Schilt. So there you go. Some interesting tidbits that tie things together from the 1918 World Series. And another uh, tidbit about the pandemic. They had done tests and found that no one who had died uh, of the uh, Spanish flu had taken Advil. <laughs> True story. True story. True story. So, Pat, Am I still involved in this podcast? <laughs> it is It is cannon fodder, so yes, you are. Welcome back. Where did I go? I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in the same chair the whole time. I didn't go anywhere. Maybe, uh, maybe it's my Wi-Fi. Well, we we lost you uh, about about just when you were about to tell us how the 1918 World Series may have also been fixed. Uh, yeah, I tell you that was fairly recent information because uh, depositions uh, from the 1919 uh, uh, trial. You know, obviously the 1919 World Series was the uh, the White Sox were ultimately thrown out baseball for fixing that world series eight and they took men, eight, eight, eight men out great movie eight men out they took uh, depositions and those depositions were only released 15 years ago 10 years ago something like that and eddie sakati one of the best pitchers on the white Sox, who was thrown out of baseball Sikati, right he said uh, we we were just doing what the cubs did in 1918 and each player got $10,000 for losing the games to the Red Sox. And, and that's where that came from, that 1918 may have been also fixed. There you go. So uh, Eight Men Out is a phenomenal movie, but, uh, but 
it's not a movie necessarily that's going to bring you a lot of laughs during uh, your self quarantine or or your sheltering in place. So one of the things that uh, I thought we might talk about is uh, some suggestions and recommendations of uh, of quarantine comedies, movies that uh, you might want to look up on Netflix or some other place and get a laugh while you're sitting at home looking at your wife thinking, what the hell is my life come to? So uh, we'll go around the horn and we'll kick it off with uh, with Pat and maybe he can give us his first quarantine comedy recommendation. Just brilliant segue, by the way, getting us into the movies. I try. Uh, just uh, yesterday I was talking to our friend Steve Scorby and he said he had just finished him and his wife uh, the Ten Commandments. Not said, a not a comedy. I said, Steve, what are you people doing over there, watching such a heavy movie? If you want an Old Testament plague story, turn on CNN. You got to keep it light at this time of year. So I said, I gave him three movies. He's got to watch right away. Number we one just we just want one, just one. We're gonna go around the horn. So you give us one. Okay, one airplane. It's the stupidest thing you ever saw in your life but you can't stop laughing. Airplane is my choice for number one. Okay, we'll go to PJ. Um, I, I decided to make my list out of only movies that you can find on, on, on streaming. So Netflix, Hulu, easy access for, for the people out there. Um, my, number, my number one movie, new to Netflix, would be The Other Guys with Will Ferrell and, and uh, Mark Wahlberg. Okay. Okay. A, a, any any description, or are you just going to say the name of the movie? Little. Uh, so, if you're unfamiliar with the movie, uh, they play they play two police officers. Uh, Mark Wahlberg uh, is is off the active duty NYPD because he shot Derek Jeter uh, at the start of the film, and uh, they have to work their way back into the good graces of the police. Okay, that's very good. funny. I, I just wanted I just wanted you to say that somebody shot Derek Jeter. Uh, Uncle Terry, what do you got? It's a tough choice. It's a tough choice for me, but I, I'm going to have to go um, with the, the the fantastic comedy about uh, the mythical king of the Britons, King Arthur. Uh, and this is Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Um, the various skits just got me got me going. The knights that say knee. The persistent black knight, um, you know, the killer rabbit, the oh, house of virgins. It's a mere flesh wound. Plenty, plenty. It's a mere flesh wound, exactly. So I, I, I think that's what I'm going to go with. Okay, excellent recommendation. Rich? Well, I gave this a lot of thought and wanted to come up with something that was an escape, uh, a comedy. Uh, I thought of maybe a Tom Hanks movie, but thought that might remind us too much of the virus, so watching Tom Hanks for several hours. So uh, I'm going to go with Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, a very uh, funny movie, which is very relevant because it, it looks at all the various means of travel and transportation, which we're all unable to take part in these days. And then in the end, as a message of everyone trying to get home and be at home with their family, appreciating the situation we're all in now. Very good. Very, very topical too, Rich. I like, I like the the well thought out explanation and selection. Uh, my those aren't pillows, Rich. Those aren't pillows. Those aren't pillows. 
not surprisingly, or perhaps maybe surprisingly, two on my list were uh, Airplane and Holy Grail. Uh, but I, I expanded my list because I feared uh, or expected that some of those would have been uh, selected by some of you. So my first will would be along the same lines as uh, as Rich uh, with the... Uh, the aspirational topic. I'm going to go with National Lampoon's Vacation. Uh, again, a uh, a movie that uh, that focuses on exactly what we can't do now, and that is get in the car, the family truckster, and uh, drive cross country to Wally World. Uh, and uh, some great scenes in there, some great lines. Chevy Chase is great, and uh, there is also obviously the immortal Christy Brinkley red Camaro or red convertible scene, but uh, that would be my first choice. Uh, Pat, back to you. Uh, Thanks, Jim. My second choice is, I think my favorite movie of all time, the big Lebowski. Now that movie is about a guy who calls himself the dude who walks around in his sweatpants and he's constantly drinking. His drink of choice was a white Russian. Now, we have millions, tens of millions of Americans right now being the dude. We're sitting around in our sweatpants, and we're drunk. So this is what, if you have never seen, seen The Big Lebowski before, time to do it. Watch it now. All right. The dude. The but dude. That, that, and that's just my, like my opinion, man. <laughs> I see what you did there, Pat. Now, now that's a Coen Brothers film, correct? I do believe it is a Coen Brothers film. Which, my favorite movie, second favorite movie of all time, hey, you want, not a comedy, is also a Coen Brothers you movie. Want, you want to stay in your lane right now? I'm with, just saying. I'm just saying. Okay. Miller's Crossing. Okay, so when we do the segment on famous favorite movies with Miller in the title, Terry will be there leading the charge. PJ, you got a second choice on comedies? Uh, I, I do another Will Ferrell movie. Um, this was unintentional, but Step Brothers is back on Netflix. Uh, the the highest of recommendations for me. Will Ferrell and John C. Riley. And you got any kind of uh, preview of what what one might see if they tune into Step Brothers on Netflix? Uh, you'll you'll see uh, a couple good music videos. Um, you'll see a a montage of karate. And um, you'll see some bunk beds. Is that strictly Joel? Uh, yes, that would be the Catalina Y mixer. Okay. Strictly 80s Joel. Strictly 80s Joel. Uh, okay. Uncle Terry? So my second one will be uh, about Steve, another Steve Martin movie. Steve Martin, The Jerk. How far are you going? Oh, about the end of the fence. Great, I'll hop in. Okay. Big Rich, I'm sure he stole that right from under your nose there. Yes, as a matter of fact, he did. I'm going to have to pivot quickly. But I also also wanted to avoid a bunch of old guys talking about movies from the 70s and 80s. So I've actually jumped into the next century uh, with my next pick of I Love You, Man, which... uh, if you can't have a Tom Hanks movie, why not a Paul Rudd movie? Another very likable guy in a very funny movie. 
all about uh, making friends and uh, getting together of things that we need to appreciate now. All right. Uh, so my my second one is going to go in the way back machine, back 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 when Pat was probably in his twenties, uh, and this movie is uh, in my mind it's a classic. It has an unbelievable cast and uh, the perhaps one of the best things it has going for it when you're home self-quarantining and sheltering in place is it's about two and a half hours long. And uh, that would be, it's a mad, 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 mad world, which is a classic comedy with just an unbelievable cast, uh, a, a caper where these folks are on a cross country quest to find the big W. Uh, and uh, so that would be my next recommendation. Pat, you got your uh, your top three. What's your final one? Uh, j- just on your choice, we have a uh, at my golf course upstate in Saratoga. Somebody would sometimes say, what's my target here? And we have two trees that are half falling down. And I would say, without explanation, I say, just aim for the big W. And one out of 10 people get the reference that it goes to the mad, 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 mad well. Jonathan My Winters. Final one, yeah, a cast, it was every every 60s comedian you can throw in there. Brilliant. Uh, it, it was a very funny movie. Uh, well, we're living in times uh, where uh, you're, you're stuck with your family and you're probably sick of them by now. No one is the great movie called Napoleon Dynamite. Napoleon had this oddball brother. He had a crazy uncle, Uncle Rico, uh, oddball mother. And he was stuck in high school. He had no choice. He had to live in that house. And uh, his best friend was running for high school president of the school, kid from Mexico, and they lived in Idaho. And it's wonderfully, it's a very subtle and very funny movie, Napoleon Dynamite. Okay, that's Dynamite. Uh, you peach. Uh, my my final pick. Uh, we're all obviously missing baseball with opening day. Uh, the funniest baseball movie to me is Major League. Um, so that that's gonna be my final selection. Hopefully it'll it'll cure some of the uh, the no baseball blues for the people out there. I was actually watching it last night when I uh, went to bed. An all time classic. And and I think actually Pat Pat is uh, good friends with Roger Dorn. I think they go way back. He was in my movie. Yes, yes, he was. Uh, I retired from pop ups, and Roger Dorn uh, he he jumped in there telling me that I really shouldn't be retiring from pop ups. Come on, man! Come on, man! Uh, Uncle Terry. So my last film will be uh, a film starring Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson. And Ralph Fiennes, and it's called In Bruges. And it's about hitmen who, after a particularly difficult job, go to Belgium to hide out until things get cooled down. Uh, one of them ends up loving this medieval city, the other hates it, and their experiences become surreal and possibly life changing as they meet with tourists, locals, and an American dwarf. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Very difficult to understand, Colin. Colin. Farrell in that movie though very difficult um but but it is it is good with watching the subtitles perhaps uh 
perhaps a favorite of our friend Max over there in Mecklenburg. Rich, what do you got? Uh, my last one is another uh, form of escape of things that we're not used to seeing now, like parades and running through neighborhoods. Uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. A uh, very funny movie. Very uh, uh, lot going on of, of all the adventures uh, with uh, Ferris going to a ball, going to a Cubs game, and uh, having going being part of the parade. Uh, with it being in Chicago, it is a film set in the Midwest, so it might be on an hour earlier uh, where you are than you're used to. But a uh, very funny movie and a classic. A classic indeed. Uh, is it true that uh, you live on the same block as Abe Froman out there? <laughs> the Sausage King? The Sausage King himself. Pat, Pat lives next door to the Fence King. That's true. That's true. He owns lives Albany next door to who? Uh, the Fence King of Albany. Oh, yes. Yes. Pat, Pat can't see his house, but it's uh it's well fenced in uh so my final uh my final choice and i i've i've gone back and forth uh because uh one i had a debate as to whether or not this this really was a comedy because it's kind of a uh it, it, i suppose it can only fall in the comedy category but uh, it is one of my all-time favorite movies um and i was going to go a fish called wanda because it's uh, along the same lines of, uh, you know, with the Monty Python guys and John Cleese. And there's some great, great scenes in that movie. But I'm going to go with uh, Princess Bride, which uh, is one of my all-time favorite movies and, and just uh, has some brilliant, uh, brilliant, brilliant scenes, brilliant acting. And, uh, and while those of you may, may believe that's inconceivable, uh, I am sticking with that as a comedy and one that you should definitely... Uh, spend a couple minutes or a couple hours watching if, uh, if you have the opportunity. All right. Well, I was just about to say it's, it's been some great choices and some, I certainly agree with, uh, with almost all the choices. It really is cool to see how we uh, seem to have similar tastes, except for one of my least favorite movies of all time, that being Princess Bride. <laughs> and, and, and I knew that. I Rich. just didn't get it. Yeah. Well, any, uh, could, it, could, could it be rich? Cause you, uh, you auditioned for the Andre, the giant role and didn't get it. I've always held that against him. Yes. Uh, really, but Terry mentioned a good line from the jerk. Any classic lines from any of your movies that you've selected that you want to mention? Well, I'll go with, uh, one of my favorite, uh, from vacation is, uh, John Candy, who had a great turn in that movie. And, uh, as the uh, park security guard at uh, Wally World. And when he came out and uh, the Griswolds had parked uh, in, in the empty lot, lot, but yet parked all the way in the back so that it was easy for them to get out. And they got to the front and uh, John Candy marches out and says, sorry, folks, the park's closed. The moose out front should have told you. It's <laughs> great. Any others? Well, those aren't pillows. Was certainly uh, a great line from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. I also like uh, Rich. I also like from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles when they're driving <clears throat> and they're on the, in. I think it was in the in the truck, or a, uh, and all of a sudden the guy come is coming the other way, and he says, 
you're going the wrong way. <laughs> and they look at each other and go, how do they how does he know which way we're going? Where we're going. <laughs> That's good. Or from the jerk, he hates these cans. He hates these <laughs> the cans. There, there is a uh I, I do believe in planes, trains, and automobiles, there might be a shout out to Scranton, Pennsylvania in that movie as well. Oh yeah? I, I do believe. Um it looks like Pat Pat may be frozen in time, and uh, I don't know if P, PJ has any quotes from any of his. Uh... I I do. I can give you one. My my favorite scene in in the other guys is uh, uh, right at the the very beginning. Will Ferrell is kind of this this nerdy uh, cop who's who's good with tech stuff, uh, and it, at nine fifteen every morning he he says to to the room the bullpen of the the officers he goes nine fifteen let's have a great day everybody. And uh, they just bully him into submission, uh, immediately yelling at him to cut the shit. So the uh, classic line from uh, "Love You, Man" is "I slap at the base." Is I slap at the base? Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. Well, and and I will go with the all-time classic. Uh, <clears throat> although although it's not a funny line, but it is the all-time classic. Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> so, with 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 that, uh, I think we'll move on to the next segment, which uh, is a new segment that we're going to uh, implement, and uh, and we're going to offer up the opportunity to uh, any of uh, any of the panelists to uh, to tell the audience someone or something that uh, lit their fuse. And uh, in uh, true cannon fodder form, someone or something that lit their fuse this week uh, and something that really pissed them off. So anybody have anything or anyone who lit their fuse this week? It has to be this week? Well, recently. What do you got? Well, uh, maybe I'll tell my Bob Gibson story. You want to hear my Bob Gibson story? Absolutely. We'll always listen for a Bob Gibson story. All right, I hope you get through it. I'm having some Wi-Fi issues. Uh, I was at a, a dinner, a baseball assistance team, a charity run by Joe Garaggio. And uh, everybody had, I was a guest, and they gave you a ball on the way in. Uh, they, you're supposed to get uh, autographs from the people that, that, that are there. And that was the whole point of it. And... Uh, I walked up to uh, Bob Gibson and there were a couple of people around. And, uh, so I just don't want to get his name on a ball. Maybe I can talk to him a little bit. So uh, he was signing balls and we were standing around. I said, uh, so Bob, let me ask you a question, Mr. Gibson. Is it a true story that during All-Star Games, you didn't talk to your National League teammates because... They, you didn't want them to know what a good guy you actually were. And he gave me a very dirty look and refused to sign my ball. Now, to this day, I have no idea what I said wrong. Uh, he, I, I stood there, you know, not knowing what I did wrong. Uh, he refused to sign my ball, and I, I hung my head, and I walked away in shame. But something good came out of that night. Because I went back to my table, and every table had a, a major leaguer, an ex-major leaguer at it. 
And I was sitting right next to our major leaguer, a guy I had never heard of. His name was Jerry Casale. Uh, Jerry Casale pitched uh, for the uh, Reds. He was a Brooklyn Italian guy. He looks like he makes the pizzas in the back. He pitched for the Red Sox. And he had one decent year. That's it. But he also uh, owned a restaurant called Pino's, which was near Madison Square Garden. And he was very proud of the fact that he once hit a home run off Whitey Ford at Yankee Stadium as, as the pitcher. So says to Jerry, I would look, I'm coming into your restaurant. So we, next week I came into his restaurant and he was there every night. And I said, is that a true story that you hit a home run Whitey Ford? And without hesitating, he queued up the loudspeaker in his restaurant and he has the radio call of Phil Rizzuto. And you know, Rizzuto gets all excited. Holy cow, the pitcher just hit a home run off Whitey Ford. And it's an it's uh, the entire restaurant stands and claps, and it was like a, a ritual. If you went to Pino's, that if you asked for it, you got the full call. And several times we went back to Pino's. It was a great place to go. It was not too garden, and he rec- he remembered me every time he went back. The guy that was out at his table, and I uh, brought a lot of people in there over the years. So a, a lot of good came out of that night. Uh, Bob Gibson refused to sign my ball. Hey, Pat, uh, interesting about Jerry Casale. Did you know that he also opened a restaurant with Art Shamsky and Ron Darling called Murray's? I did not know that about him. Yes, yes, he did. So he was definitely a restaurateur. I did not know he had more than one restaurant. Yeah. Unfortunately, Jerry passed away in uh, last year in February. Uh, that's sad news, but he must have been, a, uh, he pitched the uh, late 50s, early 60s, so he must have been in his 80s. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He was with the Red Sox, the Angels, and the Tigers. That's a good run. It's a good run. You sign up for that. I'm not- so the, the, the other thing that's interesting about Jerry, since you brought him up, 560-foot home run he hit. So he did have some pop. So it was not only a fluke. Not the the shot against Whitey Ford went five. No, 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 no. In the minor leagues, in the minor league, five hundred sixty foot home run when he played with the San Francisco Seal. Ah. So, sounds like you, Tech. Yeah, you know. Did he have forty two errors? I think te- I think Jerry Casale is more like Terry than Dick Allen in every way. <laughs> probably probably right probably right so anybody else got a lit lit my fuse candidate for uh for this week since uh pat pat took us in a direction we didn't think we'd go but that's that's pretty much what happens here on cat and fodder well Well, i'm uh not having encountered many people i haven't gotten pissed off at too many and have managed to uh stay friendly with my family uh, but I'm going to have to say, while not seeing people, Facebook has been uh, providing with a lot of opportunity to connect with friends. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, haven't been too happy with people providing silly me- medical advice on Facebook. There you go. There's there's plenty of that out there. Well, I I'll throw one into the mix and. Uh... And this is someone that, uh, you know, I know you all lo- love this fellow, but uh, 
But Mike Francesa, who could light light your fuse pretty much any week, but uh, big Mike's decision this week to uh, prohibit uh, Funhouse uh, back after this from uh, posting any clips from his show on Twitter, oh, okay. which which was the only reason anybody possibly <laughs> kept listening to Mike was to to see what a jackass he would make out of himself. Uh, as uh, posted by Funhouse every night. Uh, for some reason, Mike has decided that uh, he doesn't want that attention, and uh, Funhouse has moved on. But, uh, that... oh, but it wasn't him. It was the station's call. Oh, is that is that what he's saying now? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Funny how the station made that call after, uh, after he got all that publicity for going after his good old buddy, President Trump, uh, and his <laughs> failed response to the uh, coronavirus. But uh, yeah, Mike, uh, Mike, I think uh, you will you will learn quickly that uh, that was a stupid move, my friend, because you just made yourself even more irrelevant. <laughs> That's a good one. Anybody else for Lit My Fuse? And to end on a positive note, we're going to go to uh, our star of the week. Anybody have a star of the week that they would just like to highlight for either a uh, Good move, smart move, or just because uh, they need to have a light sh- shown on them for something they did this week. Uh, how about Dr. Fauci? And we talk about sports so often. Did you know that that little guy was uh, a starter in his high school? He went to Regis High School, which is in Manhattan, a scholarship school. And he was the starting point guard and the captain of the basketball team at Regis. So a shout out to Dr. Fauci. Shout out indeed. Fine Jesuit educated doctor. He did. He went to Holy Cross. Yep. Yep. And a New Yorker through and through. So I'll give a shout out. I don't know whether it's going to happen or not, but I'll give a shout out to the Players Association and Major League Baseball for trying to figure out some creative ways to get baseball going in this, in this country. Um, I think we, we all would love to be able to watch games if we could, um, albeit making sure that the, the players are safe and all of the people that are participating in the games, the umpires, the trainers, et cetera, would be able to be safe. But um, I think that the fact that they're trying to come up with something that would allow us to pass the time and, and enjoy sports once again i think would be would be uh, a nice thing to see oh god i hope they can do that pj rich all right i thought i heard i thought i saw pj talking but i didn't see it here so i'll jump in um not too comfortable with uh calling him a star but someone who's taken our mind off things kept us entertained uh i'm gonna go with joe exotic I must say, and I may be the only person at this point, but I, I, I have not seen one second of Joe Exotic or Tiger King. I think. You think uh, should be pardoned? I think that question was asked at a Trump press right. conference. Right. Don't jump on the bandwagon. Don't spoil it for uh, for those of us who haven't uh, haven't seen it yet. I'm in the middle of it. I, I I'd like to be. Uh... The guy, the other guy in this show, who who's got like seven wives. What's going on with that? Why would you want seven wives? Well, but they're all in different houses, so you don't have to deal with them. All right. That being said, 
PG. I, I, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't seen Tiger, Tiger King yet either. But my my three stars of the week, uh, Gary, Keith, and Ron the other night, I, I think did a great job calling the uh, simulation of the New York Mets playing the Houston Astros, and the Mets actually won a game, which hasn't happened a lot to them. There you go, Gary, Keith, and Ron. Um, and PJ, it sounds like you're coming to us from the uh, WCBS News Radio helicopter. Um. The, the funny thing, just to jump on that a minute, the funny thing is, so so I guess that's Major League Baseball, the show is doing simulations, but also Stratomatic is doing simulations. And in both cases, I believe that the Mets are woefully in last place, maybe won two games or a couple of games in, in each of them. I don't know. So maybe it's a good thing we don't have baseball. Uh, I'd even take that. But it was uh, a little cruel in the simulated game to give uh, Cespedes the golden sombrero. Did he really? He struck out four times. The robot Cespedes. <laughs> the, how about the best The best part of it, right, was they show Cano hits a, a foul ball down the left field line, and they, they kind of cut in the video game, cut to him running down the first baseline, and he's like hustling full speed. <laughs> and, of course, Gary can't let it go. Gary can't let it go. He has to make a comment about the fact that Cano is hustling down the first base line. Yeah, or art not now, imitating life there. <laughs> now, Terry, you're either the best fact checker in the world or the most bored man in the world to know the Mets standings in both the Stratomatic and MLB leagues. Well, that day, I have a lot of free time, Rich. A lot of free time. That day trading career hasn't taken off just yet. Um, so, well, I'll close it up with my, uh, my star of the week. And, uh, I don't know if this is true, but I believe it is true, but I'm going with the Wimbledon tennis center risk manager, uh, reported yesterday that, uh, Wimbledon for the last 17 years has paid $2 million a year for pandemic insurance. And they have paid $34 million over that period of time. And this year, Due to the cancellation of Wimbledon, they are going to collect $141 million on their wow. pandemic insurance policy. I did not hear that. So that, my friends, is my star of the week. Nobody knew this was coming. Nobody knew. <laughs> Nobody could know. Well, some dude in Wimbledon said, we should probably get this insurance. So. Uh, that was Lloyd's of London. What's that? A guaranteed Lloyd's of London, Lloyd, right? Lloyd's of London? I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure. So, well, that about wraps it up, folks. Uh, I think we uh, we rallied. We're a little rocky start at the beginning, some technical glitches, but uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, anybody want to uh, sign off? Uh, no, well, I think I've had some technical problems all night long. We're, we're going to have to work on that. Another vote for Star of the Week goes to Franz in Germany. Think, uh... Absolutely. Even though we call them Max, I think in this version, but but Franz or Max or or Gretel, whoever you are, uh, we hope you enjoyed it, and uh, we hope you're staying safe and washing your hands. And until next time, uh, we're signing off. Stay safe, and thanks for listening. <laughs>